0: Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope this message is a blessing to you and helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's Pastor Brandon with this message. In America's cities and towns today, flags will be placed on... Graves and cemeteries, public officials will speak of the sacrifice and the valor of those whose memory we honor. I have no illusions about what little I can add now to the silent testimony of those who gave their lives willingly for their country. Words are even more feeble on this Memorial Day, for the sight before us is that of a strong and good nation... That stands in silence and remembers those who were loved and who in return loved their countrymen enough to die for them. Yet we must try to honor them, not for their sakes alone, but for our own. And if words cannot repay the debt we owe these men, surely with our actions we must strive to keep faith with them and with a vision that led them to battle and a final sacrifice. Our first obligation to them, and ourselves, is plain enough. The United States and the freedom for which it stands, the freedom for which they died, must endure and prosper. Their lives remind us that freedom is not bought cheaply. It has a cost. It imposes a burden. And just as they, whom we commemorate, were willing to sacrifice, so too must we, in a less final, less heroic way, be willing to give of ourselves. Each died for a cause he considered more important than his own life. Well, they didn't volunteer to die. They volunteered to defend values for which men have always been willing to die if need be, the values which make up what we call civilization. And how they must have wished, in all the ugliness that war brings that no other generation of young men to follow would have to undergo that same experience. As we honor their memory today, let us pledge that their lives, their sacrifices, their valor shall be justified and remembered for as long as God gives life to this nation. And let us also pledge to do our utmost to carry out what must have been their wish, that no other generation of young men will ever have to share their experiences and repeat their sacrifice. Earlier today, with the music that we have heard and that of our national anthem, I can't claim to know the words of all the national anthems in the world, but I don't know of any other that ends with a question and a challenge, as ours does. Does that flag still wave? or the land of the free and the home of the brave. That is what we must do.
1: Thank you. Amen. I wish we had a leader like that. Um, does that flag still wave? And uh, that's why we carry on the fight, because so many people lost their lives to enjoy what we have in America. And now we're threatened from the inside of people trying to take those very values that these people spilt their blood for away from us. And so let us never give up the fight. Let us keep pushing back and hold on to the America that we know and love and don't let these, these crazy, ungodly Satanists take it away from us because too many people died. And, and at this time, too, I know it's Memorial Day, but I also would like to recognize all the veterans today. So if all the veterans would stand up today, let's give them a round of applause. Where are they at? God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. And we owe it to you guys for the sacrifice to keep this fight going. And so thank you so much. And remember, you know, this, a lot of people, Americans, have forgotten what Memorial Day is about, right? They think it's just about going to the park and having a burger and, and hot dogs. And don't realize that we, we set tomorrow aside to remember that these people had passed away for us and gave their lives and sacrificed. So don't forget that. I know you won't, but that's what Memorial Day is for. Anyway, that brings us to where we're going to be at in the text. Now, this is interesting uh, I always see it as God's providence, how he lines me up uh, in what I'm going to preach. And I'm going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And so it's, it's, you know, whatever's on the agenda for God, that's what comes out. Well, what came out on the agenda for this week was the root cause of the Arab-Israeli conflict. And I thought, isn't that appropriate for, for Memorial Day? How many Americans have shed blood in the Middle East over the craziness that goes on in these countries that surround Israel. And a lot of people, I think in government, don't understand the root cause of it and don't know how to deal with it because they don't know Scripture. I wish someone in our State Department, Department of Defense, or somebody would teach them this passage. And this passage right here will explain to you why we have lost so many lives in Afghanistan, in Iraq, and all the Middle East, okay? Not only trying to defend Israel, but defend, you know, freedoms because of the peoples that are there. Now, what the text is going to do is broad brush a certain people group. And here's the thing. We, people like, they, they say, well, that's going to be, you're, you're, you're being hypocritical, Brandon, and you're, you're stereotyping. Look, it's not me stereotyping. It is the Lord. And when the Lord says that this people group will be like this, it's not a stereotype. It's a reality when God says it. I don't mean to come against these people. It's just what the scriptures say about the Arab people. And we have to accept what the Lord says. Look, the Lord's an equal opportunity uh, offender, okay? So he'll say things about a certain people group, and then he'll call the Jews stiff-necked. Okay? The Jews are his people even though they're in unbelief. We are his people as a church. But when he looks at the Jews in general, he'll call them stiff-necked. That's not a that's not a stereotype. That's God saying this is how they are with me. But then he will come over and tell uh, uh, the story about the Arabs and say these are the kinds of people this this group is. And of course, Americans have their own thing that God could probably say and Canadians and French and, and German people, God could say the same thing because God knows what the culture's like, okay, and knows what it'll end in the future. So so I think on this Memorial Day, this will help you explain why our government doesn't know how to handle the Middle East and why we don't care if terrorists kill 13 guys in Afghanistan. It's why we don't care, why we leave $85 billion of military equipment in the hands of Afghanistan terrorists. It's why we created ISIS. We were the ones who created ISIS, and they got loose from us, according to Phil Haney. Um, This is why we allow terrorists to come through our country and do what they do through our borders, and why the Homeland Security didn't do anything to stop some of these bombings, like in San Bernardino, like in Orlando. It's the reason why is because they don't understand this and they don't want to. And in fact, they always take the wrong side. And that's been the mess that um, our our officials have gotten themselves into. The Abrahamic Accords is a disaster. It's a two-state solution which violates the Abrahamic Covenant. And so then, again, what do you expect? God brings on the cursing element on on our country because of these people running our country. So this will explain a lot, okay? So let's dive in and understand it from a biblical standpoint, the greatest mistake second to the fall in human history. And the, the mistake is when Abraham decided to go against God's will And have a baby through Hagar, who they got in Egypt, and they birthed the child Ishmael. Okay? He was not to be that child of promise. Isaac was. And so Abraham and Sarah went on their own, like we talked about, and created the second biggest problem in world history with the creation of of Ishmael. Okay? So this is what we're going to look at. So already, let me just give you the background, as we have studied... Sarah and Hagar are at each other's throats. Hagar has decided that she's superior to uh, Sarah, but here's the problem. She is now realizing that just because she had a child with Abraham, God has already said the promise will not go through him. It will go through Isaac or Yitzhak from Sarah and Abraham by a miraculous birth. So the resentment from Hagar is growing and growing. And it, that resentment is turning into hatred. And hatred is getting ramped up to where it can turn physical all of a sudden. That's how bad it's becoming. Sarah doesn't like her either. It's, because it's caused a division, obviously. So Sarah despises her. Hagar hates her. So this is what, happen, what happens. Let me go back here. So Abraham goes before the Lord. Just to give you a setting, we're going a little bit further. And it says, Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. So Abraham first initially thought, well, we had this child through Hagar. Legally, we could do this in the Middle East, but biblically, it's not right. So God corrects Abraham. Then God said, no, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Yitzhak, or Isaac, I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Who are the descendants of Yitzhak? The Jews. Not with any other people group. The everlasting covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, which is an everlasting covenant, which we partake in in the new covenant, and the new covenant is attached to the the, the Abrahamic covenant. We are... Grafted in, as Paul says. That's where we fit into this. But we do not support the root. The root supports us, which is the Abrahamic covenant through the Jews. Okay, so he clearly, God says clearly, it's not going through Ishmael. Okay, so you can see where the, the resentment starts happening. It's called spiritual jealousy. Okay, and spiritual jealousy... Creates a lot of problems. And so the child groom was weaned. That's Yitzhak. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Yitzhak was weaned. So you're talking about maybe three to five years old. Okay. When this incident happened. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian. Pointing that out. Whom she had born to Abraham. Scoffing. Scoffing. So Ishmael is about anywhere between 14 to 19 years of age. He's a teenager. In that world, you would have been considered an adult. So we have this Ishmael kid, adult in that age, scoffing at Yitzhak when he's about three or five, somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay. Well, the key then to understanding the whole situation of what's going on here is the word scoffing. And and this is the key to understanding the whole Middle Eastern conflict, okay? It starts right here. And if you don't understand the, the word scoffing, which our State Department should know, they won't know how to handle the Middle East. So as you can see, Hagar's resentment towards Isaac and Sarah being the child of promise of the Abrahamic covenant, and really, it's the... The jealousy of not having the Abrahamic covenant pass through him. So it's a spiritual jealousy. And it, now she's passed it on to her teenage son. And he now is reflecting the attitude of Hagar to Yitzhak, personally. Okay, well let's understand scoffing then. Scoffing in the Hebrew is tzachach. And and it implies laughing, mocking, showing ridicule, contempt, or derision. And it's in in the Hebrew. It's in the 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 verb is in the stem and the stem of the pl. It's a pl form, which means it's intensified. It means it's like triple, quadruple the intensity. Okay, so if you look around the text um, in the Bible about this word in Hebrew, it's this. Uh, if I can pronounce it correctly, It's all over the Hebrew text. And in some texts, it means laughing. In some texts, it means sexual playing. Okay, sexual playing. This is what uh, Potiphar's wife said to Joseph. You've come to Zazak us. To make sport of us sexually. This is what uh, the word was used in connection to uh, Rebekah and Yitzhak, when Abimelech saw them, and he says, that's not your sister because you were with each other. They were sexually playing with each other, and they, he saw it, okay? And then it also, re, re, the word is used in the idolatry of the golden calf when Moses was up on the mountain and Aaron let them go crazy, like wild peach orchard boar hogs, And the word tzatzak is what they were doing around the calf, which means a sexual erotic plane around the calf. So let's put this all together. So it's in the PL PL form, and it's, it's trying to say all of this. So it's pretty bad, okay? Now, the laughing and the mocking... It's not laughing, you know, having a joke. It's a scoffing laugh. It's an evil laugh. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a, a contemptuous laugh, a ridicule laugh on a satanic level. Understand? It's that kind of level. And then it's possible. It's possible that there's a sexual play in the word based on the other three texts I showed you. Or I just mentioned. What do you mean? It's possible. Possible. I'm not going to be dogmatic. But with that word, it's possible he's doing something lewd and lascivious with this kid. And Sarah sees it. And whatever happens here, Sarah hits the roof. Because if uh, if it's more than mocking... If it's more than scoffing, and there's some sexual content to it, then he's molesting the little boy in some way or fashion. Ho! Whoa! And that's why Sarah hits the wall and says, I need him out of here. I want him out of here and her out of here immediately. And Abraham's gotcha, and he does it. But, but I don't know. I can't be dogmatic, but I know that word, tsach. Is used in other places for sexual play. And we would define sexual play as molestation. Not full blown, or there's something possibly sexual in the mocking, if that makes sense. Okay? Not gonna be dogmatic, but it's worse than what you get. So some guys will, will say it's a form of terrorism. It's a form of terrorism. He's terrorizing this little boy. Think about this. The boy, Yitzhak, is three to five years old, and this possibly could be a 19-year-old teenager doing this to him. Okay? So if we understand that and we take that and apply it to the Arab people, then you've got the answer of why they hate Israel. You, got, you have the answer of why they resent Israel. It is a spiritual jealousy that causes in them a hatred to scoff, ridicule, mock, and do everything they can to destroy Israel. That's the idea here. And it's right here between the two boys, already seen. So, spiritual resentment is like what you saw with Cain and Abel, right? Cain resented Abel because Abel's sacrifices were accepted because it's a blood sacrifice. Cain's were not because it was the fruit of his work. You don't don't come to God with your works. You have to come to God through blood. His Messiah's blood. But that's why Cain got so mad. He wanted to come to God his own way through his works. So what did he do? He spiritually resented the relationship that Abel had with God. So he ends up killing him. Okay? And that's the resentment we're talking about. That you're seeing in the scoffing of Yishmael and Yitzhak, okay? And it's coming from the mom. Now, let's bring it to modern times. As you know, we talked about the birth of Israel just a while back. 19, 4, May 14, 1948. That's prophetically significant. But I want you to note this, what Ezekiel says about how the Arab people would treat Israel once they did come back in the land. First of all, according to Ezekiel... They would revive their ancient hatred and oppose the Jews severely and shed their blood. Ezekiel 35.5. Have we seen that since 1948? Well, yeah. Of course you've seen that. So Ezekiel prophesied. And it would be unconventional warfare, as we have seen, terrorist activities, uh, because they can't take Israel on conventionally. So they have to blow up pizza parlors and all kinds of junk. Okay. We've seen it in 1948, 1956, 1967, 1973, up to this day, at Infantatus. Ezekiel also mentions that the Arab nations surrounding Israel would claim Israel's land once they got back in the land. What, what do they do? They claim the land. The entire process would be plagued by blasphemous propaganda, according to Ezekiel 35, 12. That's exactly what we saw and are seeing. And Ezekiel mentions that the Arab countries would boast, and it uses the word aha in your English, but it's heha, heha in Hebrew. And what that means, so we would have it, heha. And actually, that's what you would say in the Middle East um, if you wanted to get a, uh, not a goat, a horse um, going. You would say heha, but it means we would have it. Have what the land they would claim that they have a right to israel 's land, which is exactly what 's happening, but as you know, the feats of israel 's military along with God supernaturally intervening in them, has made them like Teflon with the arab people they can't they can 't do anything to her okay and so she 's protected according to ezekiel and but it us but Ezekiel notes in 35.5 that the ushering in of the conclusion of this perpetual hatred harbored by Israel's ancient enemies will come to an end once Israel's back in the land. And we know that because Jesus comes back and ends it. So we're in the season where this perpetual hatred will come to an end, but it's not going to be through political maneuvering. It takes God to come back and settle the problem. It's so bad. Okay. Another addition to this problem in the modern day is we have an ancient hatred, but that hatred is exacerbated by the religion of the region, which is completely satanic. More than 95% of Arab world is Islamic. And guided by the Islam in thinking about Israel. And they think of the Jews as pigs, unhuman. They don't have a right to the land. They're occupiers, apartheid state. you name it. And every leftist in America agrees with them. Right? So what you have to understand is the true practice of Islam is not just a religion. Do not let anyone tell you this is a religion of peace. It is not. Ask our dear friend Hank Haney if he can come back from heaven after being killed And tell you, he was on the jihadists in America. He knew, backwards and forwards, that they are the ones practicing the true form of Islam. Yes, there's nominal Muslims. Yes, there's moderate Muslims. But the true practice of Islam is what you see in the Middle East. And what is the desire? To form an Islamic caliphate of world domination. And put everyone in submission to Allah. Allah. The moon god, which is none other than Satan, and put everyone under that dominion, that's their goal. The goal is to wipe out Israel. So let's look now of what God says about Ishmael. First thing, he talks about his territory, and this is very important. If you I wish people again, I I can't overemphasize this. If you understood this, you would know how to deal with them in the Middle East. But they don't. So let's look at Ishmael's territory. He will be a wild donkey of a man. He's a wild man. And it's pere in, in Hebrew, and it means wild donkey. He's a wild donkey, which translates to being nomadic, which means that he will never have land given to him and his descendants from God, ever. Ever, So Israel does not belong to them. They will roam and find their own land separate from the land of promise to Abraham. Now think about that. That right there satisfies and answers the Palestinian problem. Doesn't it? They don't have a right to it from God. Because he's a wild donkey. Now the donkey picture... The wild donkeys would roam the Middle East, and there's plenty of them all over the place, even to this day. But the idea of a donkey, these donkeys, they just roamed. They they were never herded. They never stayed in one area. And that's what God is trying to say. That's the Arab people. They they can can wander nomadically, and they can settle whatever land they want, but they're not going to settle Abraham's land. That's forbidden. So there we go. And so, this is what uh, the nomadic, the Bedouins of today, this is what the Arab people existed for thousands of years, nomadic, intense, right? If you go to Israel today, you'll see the Bedouins squatting on Israel's land. They're all over the place. And the Israeli, go- Israeli government allows it, but they're squatting. And this is kind of what it looks like. This is how the nomadic people functioned, okay? Okay. But yet they always want to get back Israel's land. But you have to understand this about Islam: Islam divides the world in two things, two zones, Dar Al Salam, the house of peace, and Dar Al Harb, the house of the sword. Dar Al Salam refers to lands that are under Islamic so- sovereignty, like you know, like you know, Saudi Arabia or uh, Iran or anything like that. Um, while Dar al harb refers to land that is no longer under Islamic sovereignty, like Israel, okay, they believe they had the land, right? Islamic thought is that once the land has been under Islamic sovereignty, it, is for, it forever belongs to Islam. If the previous owners retake a land, every able-bodied Muslim is expected to engage in jihad to reclaim the land from, uh, for Islam. So there it is. The religion is telling the Palestinians, telling the Arab nations, how they should respond to Israel. There it is. So look at this. This is the Arab League of Nations. This this is Ishmael's people. And look how they surround Israel. Israel is that little, little spot right there. And every one of them else is an Arab League that has the same mentality to wipe out Israel. They may not try, because they know the United States is behind Israel, but that's the, the idea, that's the core essence of the religion. It's, it's How would you like to be surrounded like that? That's scary. No wonder most Israelis have PTSD. I, I mean, look at that. That's insane. We're surrounded by everyone that wants to wipe you out? Wow. So when you look at the ancient names, the Ishmaelites, Edom, Moab, Hagarines, Gebal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, Tyre, Assyria, Arabs in general, Arabs in southern Jordan, Arabs in central Jordan, Egypt, Lebanon, northern Jordan, Sinai Peninsula, Gaza Strip, Lebanon, and uh, Iraq and parts of Syria include the the biblical framework of where the Arab peoples are. There's my gremlin. Look at that. That's demonic. Did you see that? That's demonic. I didn't touch a thing. We've had we've had gremlins this morning. Let me get back to my thing. Hold on. We had demon. You know what? This morning, my screen was upside down. We couldn't get it back. Um. I, I guess Satan doesn't like me talking about Islam for some reason. Or this. Or this issue. Right. Let's see if the gremlins, Lord, uh, uh, send your angels, Father, right now to get rid of any demonic influence in this presentation, Father, in Jesus' name. Here's the thing: the biblical truth. The land of Israel was given to the Lord to the Jews as as in an eternal, eternal inheritance. Okay. So here's the argument you can make. I, quite frankly, I'm I'm good with the biblical argument. That's me. But apparently, if you have to make these arguments to other people, then you can make it historically. You can make it archaeologically that the Jews were there, right? You can make it politically because the Jews are self-willed and that was their land. And the world sanctioned them politically in 1947, by the way. Um, Then you look at economically the deterioration of the land by the Arabs. They didn't do anything with the land. Mark Twain visits Israel in the late 1800s, and what did he say? This thing looks barren. It doesn't look like the biblical uh, description. It's just like a, like a barren landscape because the Arabs didn't take care of it. There was about 250,000 Arabs on the land during Mark Twain's era, and they didn't do anything with the land. Jews go back, boom, the land flourishes because it's theirs. Militarily, you can make the argument, they tried to wipe out Israel how many times, and Israel just keeps whipping them throttling them so even militarily they have the right to the land human rights israel is peaceful the rest of them have terrorist organizations right so at, at, at any level of argumentation i just stick with the biblical one god says it's theirs and that that's, that settles it for me but anything else i can make any other argument politically economically historically archaeologically and say that land never belonged to the arabs it's always the jews always they were there my goodness, how do you deny archaeology? But anyway, people, you know what I mean. Now let's look at Ishmael's character. His hand shall be against every man. What does that mean? Well, he and his descendants will be the aggressor of other people groups, particularly Israel, as he roams the land. So basically, this people group will initiate attacks on their neighbors. That's the problem. So, what do we see in the modern times? You know, here's the funny thing. Al-Qaeda, Hamas, Fatah, Hezbollah didn't exist, so to speak, before Israel becomes a nation. They didn't have these terrorist groups. The terrorist groups pop up in in retaliation to Israel becoming a nation again. That's where these guys come from. In the 1800s, did you hear of Hamas? Did you hear of Fatah or Hezbollah in the 1800s? No, because Israel wasn't in the land. Isn't it funny that the terrorist groups pop up once Israel goes back into the land? And so the Palestinians have Hamas. And then, of course, uh, Hezbollah is another terrorist group from the north in Lebanon, which is backed up as a proxy group for Iran, right? And then you have Fatah, which is among the Palestinians, right? So you have two terrorist groups in the Palestinians and then you you know you have this constantly going on this this enraged anger Do you see this anger on this woman's face that's Hagar that's Ishmael and this is what they do to their children they train them at a very young age and they, 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 they brainwashed their children to be terrorists so that they can have the 40 virgins when they go to uh, Allah's heaven. Look at this. Who, what culture does this? I guess it's the same culture that, 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 uh, that has tucket pants for boys wearing girl clothes. Maybe it's that. Or binders for girls that want to look like a boy. Thank you, Target. I don't know how we're any different. Here's their summer camps. This is the kids at summer camp in the Palestinian region. Yeah, there he is. A future terrorist, a future killer of Jews right there. It's brainwashing, isn't it? Millstone time. It's millstone time. I want to show you the children's shows that are given to their kids, and you see if, if this is not just pure propaganda and brainwashing, this is far for their Mickey Mouse of the Palestinians. <laughs>
2: إن إحنا الأرض أيام الثمانية وأربعين هذه الأرض يا سيدي أنا ورستها من آبائي وأجدادي بتمنى تحافظ عليها. وش اسم هذه الأرض يا جدي؟ هذه الأرض اسمها تل الربيع أما لقيت خساره اللي هو سموها تل لبيب بعد ما احتلوها وأخذوها <تصفيق> جدي لما ترجع للبلاد لما ترجع للبلاد ابتفتح فيها فرفور أنا فرفور. هذا المستع هذا المستع هذه كمان ورود ثبت كمان الأرض فرفور هذا معك فرفور 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 يا جدي ما تخافش أنا يا فرفور تعبان لا يا جدي طيب ويش المطلوب أدلت مني؟ المطلوب فرفور إنه تعطينا أوراق الأرض يا فرفور بدنا نديك مسار كتير بدك تأخذ مسار كتير فرفور أنا. وناخد لوراق فرفور ووراك ولا حاجه فرفور لا. مش احنا اللي بنبيع الياتينا لنرسل هذه فرفور <مم> <مم> بدك تجيب له وراك يعني بدك تجيب لوراق
1: So that's supposed to be an Israeli attacking Farfur. And as you can see, these are what little kids watch. You can see the hatred of Hagar and Ishmael now being passed on to the children watching this garbage. This is serious stuff. This is what Israel is having to face. And of course, we have our own problems here in America with these leftists that are anti-Semitic, or boycott, divest Israel. Then we have, you know, uh, what, what, they, what people don't understand is that in Islam, you're allowed to lie. So all these peace treaties, any deals, like, think about this, how goofy the Biden administration is to make a deal with Iran when Iran can practice taqiyah or hudna. And basically, it may, in Islam, they can lie and do a temporary ceasefire And then restarted again. And so their religion allows them to lie. What does that say say about its founder? Yeah, yeah, I think you know. The father of lies. So you can't have any deals with them, right? And then, of course, we have our own politicians that I can't even believe that people allow them to be congresswomen, the squad, who are completely anti-Semitic, and no one does anything about that. Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez, uh, Ayanna Presley, These are unbelievable They're sickening to me And then you have this The Protocols of Zion That came out in like 1903, 1905 or Somewhere in that neighborhood And here's the funny thing Is Christians believe this garbage This is a fabricated anti-Semitic text That was put out And what it says is The Jews have a global plan To take control of the world You have to be a complete idiot of history To even believe the Protocols of Zion but yet, we have Christians that go right along with it. Yes, the Jews are trying to control the world and they're going to look at Soros like, look, there's bad actors, not only Jews, but gentiles as well. Bill Gates is a Gentile and he's a bad actor, and George Soros is Jewish and he's a bad actor, but that doesn't make Israel a bad actor. What in the world's wrong with Christians? The Protocols of Zion are a satanic lie. You say, oh, the Jews are controlling the media. They control the money. They control that. That's what Hitler used. And you're going to believe the words of Hitler? I want to say to every Christian that believes this nonsense, you better get right with God. Or the cursing of the Abrahamic covenant is coming to you because you can't figure this out, that that's a lie. And then you got goofballs like this guy, Rick Wiles. This guy is the most anti-Semitic Christian in America. And people believe this nut job. He is crazy. He's a false teacher. He is anti-Semitic and hates the Jews, period. And yet Christians follow this nut job. Who's more crazier, him or the people who follow him? Ishmael will be, re- will be retaliated against by the people he attacks, of course. So he initiates attacks, and he will get retaliated from. This is what the media doesn't want to tell you. That when Israel responds, they were responding to a terrorist attack and taking out where they're shooting rockets. And so, since he he and his descendants are the aggressors who attack first, people such as the Jews will retaliate against them. But what does CNN play? They only play the retaliation. Right? They don't tell you this guy blew himself up in a bus or this guy blew himself in a pizza parlor. So... Here's how fair Israel is. Can you imagine our military doing this? Before they strike a target in the Gaza Strip or the West Bank or whatever, Israel will send leaflets, and, and, and these leaflets go out to people. Important announcement for residents of the Gaza Strip. And, of course, it's in Arabic. It's in Arabic. For your safety, take responsibility for yourselves and avoid being present in the vicinity of Hamas operatives and facilities of those of other terrorist organizations. They drop leaflets to warn them that we're going to bomb an area. Here are some of the leaflets. IDF intends to attack terrorists here. Of course, it's in Arabic. Look at the leaflets. What military on the entire planet drops leaflets... To tell them we're bombing the area. Now listen to this. Along with dropping leaflets. Because Israel is going to retaliate against Ishmael. They also make phone calls to all the residents in the area. Listen to this. How satanic this is. This is an Israeli warning an Arab in the Palestinian area. Area. That we're going to bomb you. Get out of the area and take your family. Listen to this.
2: Yeah, حبيبي أنا بقدرش أطلع كل الناس من أنا بدي ساعتين قبل ما كلهم يطلعوا. يا يا
1: لو ما لو ما أنا
2: أنت اللي بدك اللي
1: الأرض لا الواحد لازم يعمل كل شيء ما you see the problem here? Israel's warning them, get out. Well, if we die, we die, even my children. You see the mindset? It's millstone time. So Israel, to respond to the constant attacks by these terrorists has Iron Dome to protect its own people. And Iron Dome is a wonderful invention, but it's very costly. So here's, here's what it looks like.
0: 4,369. This is the number of Qassam rockets fired at Israel between 10 to 20 May, 2021. That makes 437 rockets a day fired at a country smaller than the state of New Hampshire. More than 1,500 targeted, including Israel's largest city, Tel Aviv. Between August 5th and 8th of 2022, another hail of 1,100 Qassam rockets were fired at Israel. This time, almost 400 rockets a day. Israel used its own shield, the Iron Dome at a cost of 50 million dollars per battery and 40 to 50 thousand dollars per missile this system is one of the best air defenses in the world
1: So how would you like to see that every day as Kassam rockets come firing in? And so the media, here's the interesting thing about Jerusalem. Jerusalem has the most media on the planet. You would think New York, London. No, no, it's Jerusalem. And how does the media portray it? Israel is a firing, firing rockets into the Gaza Strip. No, they're not. Iron Dome is shooting to stop the Kassam rockets from coming in. It's what's saving Israelis today. But yet, what did the scripture say? He will be retaliated against because he's the initiator of the attacks, right? Now, look at what God says about Ishmael's proximity to Israel. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. What does that mean? Well, even though he's a nomad, he will decide to live right next to Israel. They'll live side by side. And isn't that what I showed you on the map? They live side by side. They won't go any further. They want to hover around the land, right? And think about this, the Palestinian problem. 98% are Muslim as are Arab countries that surround Israel. Although various Palestinian factions have differing levels of commitment to Islam, from the more secular to the more fundamentalist, they are all committed to Islam and its teachings to some degree. Thus, the majority of the Palestinians support Islamic terrorism and suicide bombers. Not all, but the majority. Okay, That's the problem we're dealing with. And they surround Israel. So you have all these terrorist groups, and here's the buses. This is what Israel retaliates, that you never see the bus blow up, but you see the retaliation. This is the damage these terrorists do. They're kill, they kill people. And then, of course, you have the tunnels that are dug under the Gaza Strip into Israeli territory by the terrorists. They dig these tunnels and so they can come out in Israeli territory and attack Israelis and slice their necks or do whatever they need to do as terrorists. Here are all the tunnels on the border that had either been stopped by the IDF, either in Israeli territory or in the Gaza territory. Here are the tunnels. Again, you can see Israel had to contend with. And basically, there's a cartoonist, and that's true, the hate. No doubt about it. And where does the hate come from? Hagar and Ishmael. Here are the Qassam rockets, how they're fired. And it's just makeshift. Israel has to spend like $50,000. No, uh, I can't remember the name. I just forget that. The Kassam rockets cost about $1,000 to $3,000 to make. And they're they're just crazy. They just go everywhere. So the Israelis have to spend millions of dollars with the Iron Dome to stop these $3,000 rockets. So you can see Israel spends a lot of money protecting its citizens while these jokers are firing fireworks into them. Deadly fireworks. This is how they do it. Is there any hope for the future? Well, there's two kinds of peace that are going to come out of this. There's going to be a false peace that comes out of it with a false messiah, the Antichrist. Somehow, some way, the Antichrist is able to broker a deal with the Arab nations and Israel to allow Israel to rebuild its temple, occupy not only the the, the Temple Mount, but allow it probably alongside with the Al-Aqsa Mosque, probably that's how it's going to go. Um, and somehow the, 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 this false messiah will broker the deal, and Israel and the rest of the world will think this is the messiah. Who, could, who else could broker a deal? Well, here's the thing. If Satan's in control of what's going on in the Middle East, all he has to do is call the dogs off, doesn't he? And he can appear as peace. Just stop the demons. Stop the demons from doing what they're doing. Stop what your, your influence, and it seems like peace, Right? So that's a false peace. But the real peace is going to come when Messiah comes back at the second coming and he settles it. Well, how does he settle it? Three ways. Through the desolations of some Arab nations? Yes. According to the prophets, some of the Arab countries will be completely decimated and there will be no people group there. That's a reality. Okay? The other way is through annexation of some of the Arab lands into Israel, according to the prophets. So that's a second way of how peace will be established. And the third way is through the salvation of some Arab peoples. There will be a remnant of the Arabs that actually come to faith in the Messiah and will live through the millennial kingdom. But understand this. Many Arabs will die at the hands of Jesus. But you say, well, that seems unfair. It's not fair because God knows who's going to come back to him and who isn't. And he's going to stop this perpetual hatred, and he exterminates them. And you say, "Well, that's not fair." Well, let's just go to Israel and let's talk about how many people, how many Jews get exterminated through the uh, through the tribulation. Two thirds of Israel will physically be killed because they decide to to align it with the Antichrist instead of Jesus. So only a third of Israel makes it out. A remnant of Israel makes it out anyway. So only a remnant of the Arab people makes it out who come to faith in the Messiah. If you come to faith, that's, that's how you get out of it. But this is how peace is settled. It's this. It's this principle. Either you get saved or Messiah has to physically kill you and take you off the planet. That's it. That's the, that's the only solution. Come to faith in Messiah or be killed. And again, we're referring to the second coming. So what does that tell you if you were working in the State Department or the Department of Defense? It ain't getting settled. It ain't getting settled. So what is is the settlement? Truth. Truth has to be brought to the situation. And that's what Jesus does. And no one's bringing truth. It's actually getting worse. Now, application before we close. We're talking geopolitical, right? You see now the Middle East, but you then you have to apply it to yourself. What do you mean? Well, first of all, did you notice that this resentment was passed on thousands of generations to this day? The hatred you see with Farfur, where did that come from? Hagar, Ishmael. And it was passed on every generation to hate the Jews. I visit the iniquity of the sins of the fathers on the third and fourth generation. That if you continue in your resentment, if you continue in your bitterness and hatred, that you will pass it on. You will pass that resentment and bitterness on to your kids and then the grandkids. And it started with us. You have to stop that. Whatever the resentment is. In your life. That's, that's a, a deadly, deadly sin. So it, it tells you and I that the, uh, the, the issue you have to have is forgiveness to stop the resentment. And then you, you cannot be spiritually envious of other people's relationship with the Lord. What that means is you need to get right with the Lord and have your relationship with him and not be envious of other people's. So all of this comes down to even a personal level. Do you have resentment towards other people? You will pass it on. You will. So it's our job to arrest this and stop it in our own lives because it is that deadly. This thing got so out of hand and is so out of hand, it takes God himself to fix the problem. That's unbelievable. And think about how many American lives We have lost in our country for that resentment. I mean, it's amazing, right? It's very sobering. But resentment is deadly. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we can learn from what you said about your people groups the Jews, and then even the Arabs, uh, that you blessed, you blessed them, you told Hagar that you would make them innumerable. But there you are saying they will, will constantly resent Israel. We see it today. <laughs> we don't need any other convincing of what you just said. 4,000 years ago you said this. And we see it today. Father, in our own personal lives, may we never be like that. Never, may we never pass on resentment. May we be always willing to forgive and let go of bitterness and anger and resentment to what people do to us or just what we create in our own heads help us to let that go understand that you are the god of justice that vengeance is yours not ours and we give that to you i pray if there's anyone here that hasn't come to faith in messiah that we do so just like he gives the call out in the end whether jew or arab you have to come to faith in the messiah he is the way of salvation We pray that they would realize that that he died on a cross for their sins, was buried, and rose on the third day to give everlasting life and true freedom to anyone who believes. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.